Well, I grew up in a little farm town in Ohio, and I was always interested in current events. They had a magazine back then called Senior Scholastic, and I would read about the news, and I loved to follow the news, especially uh, the impersonators like David Fry, and he'd do Richard Nixon and LBJ, and it, it kind of drew me into the news. And then beyond that, I was uh, uh, in all of the high school musicals. I did competitive speaking. I announced for the high school band, the 102-piece Marching Eagle Band. So I did all that. I was used to, to the news, and I was used to uh, being in front of a mic. So that's what happened. Now, take just a minute and think back to November of 78 and describe your feeling when you arrived at, at the building for the first time. I, I remember it vividly. I, I'm a punctual person, so I drove up and down Lafayette probably for 45 minutes before my job interview came into the building, and I was introduced to Jim Snyder. He was the news director at the time. He had worked with Walter Cronkite. Uh, he came from Washington. So he, w- he was a pretty well-known guy. First thing that happened when I walked up to shake hands and give that guy a vigorous handshake, he winced. He winced. I said, oh, boy, this is getting off to a bad start. Then I went back to his office, and I think a minute or two into the interview, he said to me, well, I've seen your tape, and frankly, I see nothing that would qualify you to work at a top 10 market. Wow. Luckily, I was smart enough to know that if, if he thought that, he would never have invited me up for an interview. And I think he was trying to rattle me just to see how I could deal with somebody challenging me like that. And whatever I said, we continued the interview. And, <laughs> and then he called me uh, a week or so later in Toledo and uh, that conversation was a bit awkward, too, but thank goodness for Jim Snyder bringing me here because it's just been a great experience at Channel 4. I just uh, I love the people, uh, the, the chance to be on the front lines and tell stories. It's great. You've had a, a storied career. You've covered um, many of the biggest stories of the last uh, uh, few decades What's most memorable to you? I always struggle with that question because the memorable stories uh, that I have may not be the same ones that a viewer might have. Now, viewers would remember stories like the crash of Flight 255. I was out there that night. Uh, The Jack Kevorkian trials, uh, the Buell building fire in the early 80s. That happened a long time ago, but that was was very dramatic. Name, name the crime stories, name the trials, all those things I've covered. But I like to remember just regular folks that, that I've met who were extraordinary. I'll tell you one guy, I had him on a few weeks ago, was David Easterbrook. David Easterbrook's daughter, Ashley, was killed in 1997 or 98 by a drunk driver. And this guy turned a negative into a positive. He, he, he uh, awards scholarships. Uh, he uh, is, is very vocal in the, the fight against drunk driving. I see a guy like that, and I think, I, and I was there the day after that, interviewing him after his daughter had died, and he told me, I, will, uh, I, I want the world to remember what a, a wonderful person Ashley Easterbrook was, and that's exactly what he did. That's just one example, Jerome. I could talk to you about so many people who have uh, inspired me, humbled me, really, and when you, when you see them and you, you cover them regularly, 
you're not about to have a pity party for yourself and your problems. You go home at night to a loving wife and a house and, and, and a meal and you say, you know what, I'm a pretty lucky guy. You were talking about people and some of the memorable stories that viewers would remember. Um, but you also just mentioned about uh, difficult days. Um, is there a particularly difficult day that sticks in your mind? Oh, yeah. 9-11. Not necessarily on that day, because ironically, I was covering the mayoral primary. That was Kwame Kilpatrick and Gil Hill, remember? That still yeah. had to be covered. But it fell to me to start interviewing the families of, of some of these victims. Uh, they were not known right away. But when the stories were told and we were able to share these remarkable lives with people, that, that hit me hard. Uh, I, and I, and I'm, glad to, I'm glad to know after all these years things do still hit me hard. They, uh, they, they bother me, but, but I don't show that on the air, and I, and I try not to hold it in for long. But I, uh, I do have the capacity to cry, my friend, I'll tell you that. doesn't happen often, but it did that day when I was covering some of these, uh, these families. I remember leaving the studio and I just, you didn't see any tears on the air, but I went into the hallway and I just sobbed. But don't you think a lot of Americans are feeling that way? It was just, it was overwhelming. I want to ask you about your longevity. It is not a common thing these days in uh, broadcast media to have someone with such a long career at one place. What's your, what's your secret? Uh, I think you, you give the boss an honest day's work. Uh, you pick your battles carefully. You, you just try to keep your standards as high as you can. I think you also have to roll with the punches in terms of technology. That's not always easy for me because things have changed so much. I'm, I'm not a great guy on Twitter. I, in fact, I hate the word tweet, but I do it now and then. Uh, and I'm on Facebook uh, because you, you have to make those adjustments, even if you struggle from time to time. So uh, be flexible and, 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 and uh, have a good work ethic and, and have a passion for the job. I, I think that is the secret, but there's a question maybe for the boss at Channel 4. 